we have been teaching uh, more recently on the subject of restoration, that God is a restorer. We looked at the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. We saw that God declares in verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten the caterpillar, canker worm, and palmer worm, and all of the different insects. He said, I will restore the years that have been eaten up or devoured from your life. And so God declares not that he just can restore, but that he will restore. I will restore is an emphatic declaration that God will restore our lives. Well, today, of course, last week we talked about Jesus being our uh, jubilee, that God will restore as he did uh, for the children of Israel in the 50th year. He restored what had been lost in those previous 49 years. God restores. And uh, it, whether it was property or land or uh, houses or family members have been taken into captivity or taken into uh, servitude uh, to others, God would restore. Everybody say, God will restore. Today we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 17. Jeremiah 30, 17. It says, For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Because they call thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion whom no man seeketh after. Again, he said, For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of your wounds. So God again declares, I will restore. So believing God's word is so essential for you to enjoy the benefits of the promises of God. He said, I will restore. I will restore health unto you. Well, if you're having physical issues in your life, physical sicknesses or diseases or damage or things that have occurred in your body, thank God God declares He will restore. So you can put your faith in God and your trust in God that He is the healer, that He's your healer. He will restore your health and He will bring you back to what God intended you to have and that is full health and strength. Amen? So God is a restorer of your physical health. He says as well, I will restore health unto thee and heal you of your wounds. Those wounds could be physical wounds, but they could be emotional wounds. There could be mental uh, trauma or things that have occurred in your life. Thank God, God will restore and heal you of your wounds. So whatever has happened in your life, God is about the restoration of your soul. Remember, we uh, looked at, at least I believe on the Sunday evening, we looked at uh, pro, uh, uh, the book of Psalms uh, 23. Uh, God says that he is the Lord, our shepherd. David was actually saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. One of the things that the shepherd does is that he restores my soul. He restores my soul. That has to do with your mind, your will, and your emotions. God will restore your soul. Well, when you got born again, God put a new life on the inside of you. Your spirit was reborn, recreated. You've been, become a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're God's very own handiwork, his workmanship. So spiritually, inwardly, you've been born of God, and God's life has been imparted to your spirit. But like most people, we've had some soul problems. 
In other words, we've had some issues with our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and so God wants to restore our soul. So if your will's not intact, in other words, you're not, your will has not fully decided to follow Jesus, God can help you to get that established in your life that you will to do His will. Amen? If you're emotionally, you've had some trauma in your life, thank God the Holy Spirit can restore your soul and give you peace again and that you don't have to live in the pain of your past, but God can restore your soul in a way that you could live life full and free and at peace and at rest and confident that God has a good plan for your life and that you can enjoy God's best will for your life. Amen? So if you've had some issues in your soul or in your mind, you know, as a teenager, I had some mental oppression, but I thank God for His grace, His amazing grace that can restore your mind and give you peace in your soul. It's an amazing thing to have peace in your life. And so God is amazing in His restoring of your soul. God can restore your thinking. He can make you think straight. Touch your neighbor and say, you could probably use a little help in that department. All right. So. All right. So, God will make you think right. Get your thoughts in line with his. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But it doesn't mean you can't think his thoughts. And you can't know his ways. So God wants you to know his ways. He wants you to think his thoughts. He wants you to think in line with his word. He wants you to think the way he thinks about you. Well, let's look at this verse again. I will restore health unto thee. I will heal you of your wounds. Saith the Lord. So that's God speaking to us. Of course, he's speaking to the children of Israel in this case, but he's speaking to you today. Same principles apply. God's word is talking to you. And so he said, I will restore. But then he says, because they call thee an outcast, saying, this is Zion whom no man seeks after. They called you an outcast. They said, you are Zion that no man seeks after. In other words, you are lacking in value. Nobody wants you. He says, in this case, thank God that you don't have to think about what they said. You need to think about what he said. God says something about you that will defy what they said. Maybe your mother said, or your daddy said, or uh, someone close to you said, a teacher said. Somebody said something that affected your soul negatively. Thank God God has a new, fresh word for you, and he declares he will restore. That God will restore whatever damage has occurred in your life. It's not what they said. It's about what he said. And if you will dare to agree with what God said, about you and one thing he says about you is that he will restore whatever's happened in your past it doesn't have to determine your future that God can cause you to live life to its fullest you can live life free and you don't have to be controlled by what somebody else said about you let God's word dictate to you who you are 
Let God tell you who you are. Let God tell you what you have. And let God tell you what you can do. When other people said you're not this or you're not that or you're not good enough or you don't measure up, God says you are who I said you are. You are my workmanship. You're created in Christ. You're God's own child. You belong to the Father. You've been bought with a price. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus. You have what God says you have. You have an inheritance in Christ. You are God's own child and everything he has belongs to you. Thank you, Jesus. So rather than letting other people's thoughts about you and their words about you control the way you think about yourself, let God's word dictate who you are because that is genuinely who you are. Amen. So say about yourself what God says about you. Agree with God rather than others. If others say what God says and agree with Him, then you can agree with them. But if they don't say what He says about you, you say what God says about you. Your focus needs to be on what God said, not on what they said. Hallelujah to Jesus. And so when you're seeing yourself the way God sees you, you have a different view than sometimes what others have of you. And so God wants you to look, the scripture says, into the mirror of his word. You're not who you used to be. You are who God says you are. And so when you look at the word of God and see who you are in Christ, that changes your perspective of yourself. Rather than seeing yourself as an outcast or a nobody or nobody wants you. I'll tell you, somebody wants you. God wants you. He bought you. He purchased you with his own blood. You've been purchased by God himself. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So God surely wants you in his family. Amen. So if everybody's not for you, there is one that is for you. Praise God forever. So let's go further. Verse 18. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents. Have mercy on his dwelling places, and the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof, and out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry. And I will multiply them and they shall not be few and I will also glorify them and they shall not be small in other words they said you were insignificant they said you were an outcast they said you're Zion whom no man seeks after but God says I'm going to restore things I'm going to restore the palace I'm going to restore you I'm going to restore the people of God and out of them is going to come thanksgiving this is obviously talking about Israel but it's also by principle talking about you hallelujah and out of them is going to come uh, thanksgiving and a voice of merry hearts people are going to have joy in their lives why because used to the devil had robbed them of their joy he had robbed them of their soul uh, emotions and, and and what God created them to enjoy God says now I'm going to restore what the devil has stolen because he doesn't just steal by just stealing uh, things from you or relationships from you or, or or help from you he also hits your soul or hits your mind and God says I'm going to restore the whole thing I'm going to restore your health I'm going to restore your soul you've been and already 
reborn, born again, new creation in Christ, in your spirit. But I'm working this out in your life. I'm going to finish what I started. This good work that I started on the inside, I'm going to work it to the outside. And you're going to experience my best in your life, in your spirit, your soul, and your body, in your relationships, in your family, in your finances, in your life. You're going to experience God's best. Why? Because God wills to do so. But he needs your agreement rather than agreeing with what happened to you, what damage occurred in your life, what destruction came to you. He says, now I want you to agree with me. I want you to say what I say. I want you to see what I see. I want you to think like I think. I want you to believe what I believe about you, and I'm going to restore everything in your life that has been lost. Hallelujah to Jesus. Somebody say, the Lord is good. Somebody say, he's my restorer. Thank you, Jesus. Go with me to the book of Job. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We'll look first to Job 19. You know, something of the story of Job is great suffering. He had great suffering physically. He had great suffering because he lost his children. The children were killed. He had great suffering because his friends that he thought were his friends were not his encouragers. His own wife said, just forget it, curse God and die. So no one was seemingly in his corner. No one was on his side. But God, hallelujah, is told of the apostle Paul. He said it this way. He said at one point, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. He said, but the Lord stood with me. In other words, when it looks like everybody left, everybody left you without, and everybody forsook you, and no one believed in you, and even those that left you and accused you of doing something wrong, and that's why this happened to you, and that's really what they were doing. They thought, well, you know, Job, he must have done something really bad, you know, to, to really uh, experience this kind of suffering in his life, and so uh, they're accusing him, but right in the middle of it, I said right in the middle of all the storm, all of the test, all of the darkness, all of the sickness, all of the weakness, all of the pain. Though he had many, many questions and expressed them, and it's written in this book. Many questions, did not understand what was going on. And while the pain and while the suffering and all the destruction, and he lost all his, all his goods, all the riches, he was losing everything. But God, if God be for you, who can be against you? So God had a plan of restoration. And so we can't always see the restore point of our lives. We don't always see the end of the story. We don't always see 
uh, the whole story, but God knows the whole story. He knows the end of the story. He knows the end of your life. He knows the restored portion of your life. When you don't understand, when you can't figure it out, right in the middle of your test, you're having all kinds of questions. You can do what Job did. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 20. It says, My bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have pity upon me. Have pity upon me, O my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. Now, he thought God did this to him. According to the scripture, Satan was doing this. Why do ye persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my, with my flesh? Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. So Job's cry, it's like crying out to God. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. God said, okay, let me print that in a book. In other words, your story and the whole story. God chose not to edit a lot of things out of the Bible, which if people were writing it, they would have edited and left that, left that out. Well, we don't want to put that part in there. In other words, even the heroes of faith that are listed there in the book of Hebrews, uh, person after person, uh, the people of faith that put faith in God and God commends them. For their faith. And yet, if you read their story, they had a lot of trouble. And they went through a lot. But through faith, they endured. And so here, in this uh, passage, he said that they were written or printed in a book. And that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. I don't know about the rock. But they're right here. And this book will never pass away. Though people have tried to burn it, people have cursed it, people have told lies about it, people have done everything to destroy it, it still remains and it will remain forever. When they're gone, it's still here. When they are gone, it's still here. Heaven and earth will pass away and all the opinions about God will pass away. But he said... My word will not pass away. This book is eternal, and it will last forever, and the word of God still speaks, and it speaks truth. Amen? Hallelujah to Jesus. But in the middle of his trouble, you know, we're in chapter 19. In the middle of his trouble, in the middle of the test, when it looks like all is lost and there is no rest for his soul. He said, I don't understand all of this, but one day I hope this is written in a book. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. I know that my Redeemer lives and he he began to prophesy about the last time that he will stand at the latter day upon the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body yet my flesh shall see in my flesh I shall see God 
He said, I'm going to see God. But one of the things that he made a declaration of, he said, I don't understand what's going on. And sometimes you don't understand why all of this pain and why all of this test and why all of this pressure and why all of this loss and why all of this destruction and why has this happened to me? And right in the middle of it, you need to say with Job, I know, I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on. I don't have it all figured out. But I do know this. I know my Redeemer lives. I know. No, this one thing I know, my Redeemer lives, which means he is my Redeemer. If he's my Redeemer, he's my Restorer. If he's my Restorer, this is not the end of my story. I might be in the biggest test of my life. It may be the darkest moment of my life. It may be the deepest pit of my life. It may be the greatest pain of my life. But I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know it's not the end of my story because God is a restorer. Hallelujah. And what he started, he will finish. What God said, he will perform. What God said, he'll also make it good. God's word will never fail. Hallelujah. Hell and earth may stand in your way. People may defy you at every turn, but there is a God in heaven that says that he is your redeemer. And you can say with Job, my redeemer is alive, he's living, and he will turn my captivity. Things are turning on my behalf because God is a redeemer. Hallelujah. Some of you have experienced that in your life. Most of us have, to some degree, experienced some restoration in our life. But it's not all finished yet. I said, it's not all finished yet. What God starts, he's going to finish. God is a good God. And if you dare to believe him and believe that he will restore and believe that he is your redeemer and that he will take you through the test, he'll take you through the storm, he'll take you through the dark place, he'll take you out of the pit, he'll bring you through the darkness and into the light. God is not finished and your story is not yet written and it is not yet told, but God will finish what he started and it is worth telling your testimony, telling your story, and telling what Jesus has done for you. That ought to be a great, one of the greatest witnessing tools of your life to tell somebody where you came from, what God did in your life, how he brought you out of the pit, how he brought you out of a dark place, how he brought restoration to your soul, how he delivered you and he set you free from sin and its control. You ought to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Because it's worth telling. It's your story. It's your testimony. It's a testimony of the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the love of the Father God towards you. He is a good God. Thank you, Jesus. Don't hide your testimony. Tell somebody. Don't keep it all in and hold it to yourself. It's a treasure that needs to be unfolded. It's something that needs to be told. Job's cry right in the middle of his test, in his darkest moments, he said, I know my Redeemer lives, and I would that this, this story would be written in a book. 
and is still testifying today. Ah. Hallelujah. God wants your testimony. Said, spoken, shared, and perhaps even in a book. Pretty good book, the Bible. Job's got in the Bible. Somebody say, I know. My Redeemer lives. What he started, he's going to finish. Thank you, Jesus. May not be finished yet, but he's going to finish the story. And when God starts it, he'll also finish it. Go with me to Job 42, verse 10. Job 42, verse 10. Notice we're at the end of Job now. We're at the end of the book. Thank you, Jesus. You know, in the end of the Bible, we're in heaven. That's a pretty good ending. Don't you think that's the best ending we could have? We're going to be in heaven. Now, in this end of this book, something amazing happens in Job's life. Verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Now remember, his friends were not always his supporters. The people that were supposedly his friends were accusing him. And they weren't supporting him. But Job prayed for his friends. And also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So Job, in his life, had been wealthy, been blessed with children, blessed with a great family. But Job's health failed. The devil attacked his body. And so in this cruel affliction of his body, he's losing his wealth. His children were killed. All of his children taken. His friends, not his supporters. His own wife said, just curse God and die. Well, certainly you're not being encouraged by people. They may have called you an outcast. They may have said you're not anything anyone wants. But God wants you. And God said, I will restore health unto thee. And I will heal you of your wounds. So here God says, I will restore Job. And God restores his health. God restores his wealth. It says when he prayed for his friends. Well then if you consider, I remember Dodie Osteen, the great, great woman of God, still 
alive and strong and just praying for the sick and bringing people a healing message and loving people. Just amazing woman. Well, if you know her story, she had uh, cancer, liver cancer. And she was basically given up to die, no hope. The doctors gave her up to death, and John Osteen took her home. Very weak, very emaciated. So sick. But she put pictures of herself in her wedding dress when she was young. Put pictures of herself when she was strong and vibrant. And she looked at those pictures every day. And she got healing scriptures. And she began to get those scriptures together. And she meditated on healing scriptures every day, every day, every day. Day after day. God restored her to health. Healed her. Made her whole. And so she's lived all these years and brought healing to others. She and her husband, John, had preached healing. They were Baptist and got filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, were, learned about divine healing and began to preach the Word of God and healing, and preach about the Holy Spirit, just amazing transformation of their lives. And now she's attacked with this cancer and of course, now supernaturally, divinely restored and healed. Well, then John Osteen got sick. It's not the same story. Over time, he did pass away. No plan. No plan for someone who would be his successor, someone to take the pulpit and, and preach the gospel. Dodie was a great wife, a great woman of God, a great uh, person of influence in the church, but she was not a preacher per se. That was not her, her call. She was a great encourager, exhorter, and, and still is today. She'll encourage people by just writing notes, still writes handwritten notes to people. When Joel Osteen was here, we talked to uh, her for just a bit, and she wrote a note afterwards because she actually, her, her daughter Lisa came and taught here on the Sunday morning. She wrote a little note, handwritten note. In other words, she was a very caring woman. She does the funerals, of most of the funerals in that church today of people that have uh, been in that church, of course, for a long time. She does funerals. She prays for the sick. Well, her husband passed away. You think it's the end of the road for that church. Seems like naturally, what are we going to do? We're in this dilemma. Well, just before he passed away, he said to, to Joel, I want you to preach. You know, he tried to get him to preach. He didn't want to preach. Joel, he didn't want to preach. He didn't believe he was called to preach. That wasn't his thing. He was a television guy. He was behind the cameras and behind the scenes, and he was helping his daddy look good all the time. Laid out his clothes for him so he'd wear the right clothes for television, and, and he was just there to serve his dad and, and take care of him. He took him to his hospital visits. and He took care of him. He, he loved his dad. And here he is. 
his daddy's in the hospital, and he said, Joel, I want you to preach. He said, okay, Dad. So he went and preached his first sermon. His dad heard him preach by live stream, heard him preach, and he went to heaven. God's got this. Not the same story that Dodie had, but it's still a story of God's plan of success. Heaven is a real place. I said heaven is a real place. And so now God takes Joel, and you know anybody that's a preacher, you know Joel Osteen's name. And so his name has gone around the world, but he's taken the name of Jesus around the world. He's taken the love of God around the world. So you don't always know the full story. When you're in the middle of your tragedy, you're in in the middle of your storm, when you're in the middle of pain, when you're in the middle of darkness, when you're in the toughest times of your life, you don't know the end of the story. But you can do like Job did. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. I don't have understanding. There's lots of confusion. If you read Job, you see he had a lot of confusion about what in the world was going on. But yet, right in the middle of it, I'm not going to curse God. I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to believe God is my Redeemer. And I say the Lord God is my Redeemer. Hallelujah. And that He lives. And if He lives, He's going to make His Word good. And something's going to happen in my life. I believe that God had a plan for Job to be restored all along. He had a plan of restoration in Job's life. And He also has a plan of restoration. You may not see it all. You may not understand everything that's going on in your life. But if you'll dare to believe that God... God is your redeemer, that God is your restorer, and that he said what he said, and he meant what he said. He said, I will restore, so therefore I believe God will restore, and God is restoring my life. He's restoring my health. He's restoring my soul. He's restoring my emotions. He's restoring my mind. He's restoring my peace. He's restoring my will to do his will. He's restoring me to serve him. He's causing me to want him more than anything in this world. He's caused my desire to be set on him, and so you know that your Redeemer lives. And if you know that, you know that something good is in your future, that God is not finished with this story yet. This story has not yet been told. It has not yet even been lived. So God is causing you to experience restoration. It may not be over. The restoration process is not yet finished, but God is working on you. And he's working in you. And he's working on your circumstances. He's working in your situation. And so, God restored in the Osteen's life. And she got to live, and she's still living today, to see her children all serve the Lord and serve him in ministry and do the will of God. And she's seen not just Joel, but all of her children doing the will of God. And let's, let's read the end of the story. Verse 12, And the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. This man was wealthy. 
When we were in Israel one of the times, Minister Ty went with us. And we were, you know, of course, in, in the area where there was quite a few veterans. Veterans are shepherd, shepherds, and they still uh, take care of their flocks pretty much like they did thousands of years ago. And uh, it's a very somewhat primitive lifestyle they live for the most part. But this veteran, and most of them are Muslim, and, and, and he's, uh, he said to, to us, he said, uh, I'll give you 20 camels for her. I said, he didn't understand our culture. We don't sell ladies for camels, you know. And so I thought, well, how am I going to get them home? So, 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 just kidding. So Ty was trying to stay as far away from him as possible. So you think about the wealth of Job here, it says 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. Camels are expensive. A thousand yoke of oxen. A thousand she asses. Here he is, all this wealth. Job had twice as much as he had before. So God can restore your life so well that you have more than you ever had before. I said, God can give you double for your trouble. Hallelujah. And so God is a restoring God. What? It looks like in the middle of your test or in the middle of your dark place, it looks like you've lost everything and there is no hope. But if your Redeemer lives, there's still hope. Hallelujah. There is light. There is light in front of you, and that light can get you out of the darkness. There's hope in front of you. It can pull you out of the pit. It can bring you up again. And so God has a plan of restoration, of wholeness, of soundness. Now let's go further here. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. God restored children to him. And in all the land were no women, verse 15, no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job an hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. And Job died being old and full of days. Wow. God restored his children. (laughs) He lived a long life, saw four generations. It's amazing. In other words, God's amazing grace can turn your captivity. God can turn your captivity, and he can turn it quickly. And so the end of your story is not yet told. The end of your story has certainly not been written because the end of your story has not yet been lived. And so God is in the process of restoration in your life. And what he started, he will also finish. What he has spoken, he will perform. What he has said, he's going to make it good. And God is faithful to his promise. And your Redeemer lives. And so restoration is working in the process of right now. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit is working in your life now. And in the days and weeks and months to come, you must believe and trust that God 
God will be able to finish what he started. What he started, he will make it happen. He'll bring it to full completion and full restoration is coming to your life. So don't give up in the middle of the test, but always keep looking unto Jesus and you'll receive God's best. Amen. Looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Because he that started this good work will also perform it. And he will make his word good in your life. And your test will become a testimony to the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. And how good God is will be told to someone in your sphere of influence. And it might be repeated by someone else. And it might even get in a book. And it might go places you would never go. The Holy Spirit can take your testimony. And it can transform others as well as your own. Amen.